What do you mean, what is curling? I know what curling is. Do you know what curling is? Yes. It's Friday, November 24th, 2017, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and person who is owed many congratulations. And with me today are sockless Gordon Derrick, my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News, and Paul Peters, civil engineering master student and gavel envier. Molly, congratulations. Yes, congratulations, Molly. Your, your boyfriend has his birthday today. Today yeah. is his birthday, and yeah. as we are all Dutch, you all must congratulate me yeah. repeatedly. Later on, we'll be sitting in a circle and eating some cake which Niels provided himself. Exactly. Yeah. Niels, did, Niels did order uh, a cake for his office, and I believe he ordered it from <laughs> Hema. So, apple tart. All is well. Paul, you have gavel envy. Would you yeah. like to tell us a little bit about your uh, condition? Uh, uh, yeah, I saw Kadia Arib's gavel in the Tweede Kamer, and I was... Uh, I was envying her. Yeah. I want her gavel. You were love struck. Yeah. By the gavel. Yeah. Yeah. Which must have been quite painful. Because <laughs> it's quite a heavy gavel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The new gavel is heavier than the old one. Yeah, Paul. she changed the She reinstated the old, the old gavel, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, is it as painful as the fact that you uh, you don't have any proper socks? The blisters Gordon? on my feet. Uh, yeah. No, so, well, yeah, my running socks just, I don't know how old they are, but they ran out finally this week. I had to, <laughs> they, conceded, they, they conceded defeat. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I posted a picture on Facebook, which I will not be sharing with your listeners. No, but, we um, will not be including that in the <laughs> Yeah, but I need new running socks. So please send all your running socks yeah. to... Any old running socks podcast. you have, they will still be better than mine. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. send them at dutchnews uh, yeah. at yeah. Exactly. This week, we'll tell you why Parliament stayed up past its bedtime, why people were blocking roads in Friesland, and we will not be making any dick lawyer jokes, though Gordon will have some sports news. Uh, we still have to do the uh, Fred Teve thing. So, Gordon, there was some breaking news this morning. Yeah, have you seen the news this morning, Gordon? Uh, no, I'm on tenterhooks. You told me there's some news about one of the, my favourite people in Dutch politics, uh, but you haven't told me what it is. Yeah, so, Fred yeah, Teve. Yes, Fred Teve. Who, yeah. Who's Fred Teve? He was Deputy Justice Minister, and before that he was a public prosecutor, but he was the guy who he, went down for the Bonniches. He went down affair, in the Bonniches affair. Went down, yeah, yeah. He went down in flames in the Bonniches affair. What, and what sort of amazing job do you get after you go down in the Bonniches affair, Paul? Yeah. He's a bus driver now. <laughs> he's actually, a, he's he a actually, part-time bus driver. He's a part-time oh, bus driver. Part-time bus driver. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So this came out this morning. Well, I think that is just 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 desserts for Fred Taven. Yeah, but I hope we make sure he keeps all the tickets that he hands out. Yeah, 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 yeah he's <laughs> going to make sure that he will do that. Yeah. And Thierry Baudet uh, said he isn't happy about this. He's not happy about Fred Taven, no, but, but Thierry Baudet doesn't travel by bus. No, but he's not happy with the uh, touring cartel. Ah. Oh, the touring cartel. <laughs> In our discussion, we'll tackle the best Dutch books, or our favorite Dutch books, or something about Dutch books. <laughs> Tuesday night, an effort by PVV and 50PLUS to block the reintroduction of a tax on home ownership stranded in the Tweede Kamer. The two parties requested more than 36 hours of speech time in the debate on the scrapping of the Hillen Law, but the MPs were unable to fill their requested time. If they had succeeded to talk for that long, the Tweede Kamer could not have voted for the bill on Thursday, surpassing the Belastingdienst deadline to implement the law for 2019. Did they not plan appropriately for this, right? Like, I mm. could totally talk for for 36 hours with with proper <laughs> preparation 
Um, but they have proper rules in the Dutch Parliament. Yeah, about you, what can't you, can, like, you, you can't just like read Doctor Seuss. You can't just sit there and read Doctor Seuss or the phone book the way you can in American. Yeah, Congress. but I, you could yes. have gotten like some really boring like history of taxation in the Netherlands book and read that for really slowly, which would have been, would have been relevant. Uh, I think you'd have got banged out by Kadir Ayub if you tried that out gravel. with a famous gavel. Yeah. yeah, but the Dutch Parliament's got similar laws to the British Parliament here that you can't deviate from the subject. Yeah, there's, and, a British, there's a British MP who wrote quite a good column, um, which we should link to, about how to do a filibuster, and he says the main thing is to have allies. So you have to line up other people, opposition MPs who will interrupt when you're. If you start to run out of ideas, uh, a colleague will stand up and ask a question, and that'll kill another half hour. Yeah, but that, that's how to do it. Yeah, but that <laughs> won't count as speech time in the Dutch Parliament. Uh, the oh, really? Interruption doesn't count as speech right. time. Yeah, but when you reply to the interruption, does that not count as speech no, time either? No. Okay. So this would all be much better if you could filibuster like you can in America, where we do things like sing the Star Spangled Banner, <laughs> read Dr. Seuss, read the DC phone book. <laughs> the and record the- is uh, twenty. Over 24 hours when Strom Thurmond, Senator yeah. Strom Thurmond, uh, filibustered the Civil Rights Act. A very dedicated racist. Very dedicated Indeed, racist. Yeah. He was absolutely committed to and the cause. And once in the Arizona State, I think State Senate, there was a guy that had passed out during a filibuster and had to be oh. taken to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the the 50-plus MP, Martin van Rooyen, he's 75 years old. He's the oldest MP in Parliament. So he, uh, you know, was going to talk for 15 hours and people mm. were really, you know, afraid of his health. And if he would <laughs> manage to stand up for that long, he did speak, however, for four and a half hours. He was actually a junior fi- finance minister in the Den Earl cabinet in mm. 1973. Jesus. So he goes way back. Yeah. Uh, but he read letters from voters uh, who are concerned about their financial future. The first letter was about a woman whose husband uh, was the victim of a scrupulous boss who didn't pay his pension. Gordon, hmm. does that remind you of anyone? Unscrupulous people who, who don't pay pensions for their employees. Yeah, that, that sounds a bit like, uh, well, one person I'm thinking of here is, uh, is Hank Kroll, because he didn't pay his pensions when he was editor of Gay Cunt. And what's he doing now? He's the uh, leader of the 50-plus party. <laughs> so he is. Yes. Uh, funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, after that, he read some articles on the new law. He had to put on his glasses because he couldn't read his speech anymore. And his his voice began to sound hoarse, so he gave up uh, after four and a half hours. And, and the glasses he put on, those, uh, w- what was distinct about them? Yeah, yeah they were specially designed. They were blue colored. They were filtered glasses. Filtered yeah. glasses, yeah. yeah. It was a filter buster. Filter yeah. buster. Oh, God. So. And uh, the PVV MP Mulder, uh, he requested 20 hours. He prepared a very long speech that started with a history lesson about the first civilizations and cities, which is, of course, off topic. So yeah. the uh, deputy chair who had replaced yeah. Arip at 1 a.m. was not amused. Mm. She uh, urged him to uh, start talking about the actual law. And I'm surprised he picked that as a subject because weren't the first cities and civilizations in Africa? Yeah. You thought they wouldn't have been so fond of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, at uh, 4 a.m., the Fever Day MP uh, uh, proposed to continue the debate at 9 a.m. the next morning, but Mulder demanded a hoofdlijke stemming, yeah. which means that everyone, every MP in the building should come in the Tweede Kamer and then they would vote personally on the yeah. on the proposal. Uh, however, it turned out that Mulder was the only PVV MP in the building <laughs> no. at the time. <laughs> so that was a bit awkward for him. So um, he had to give up after two hours. So in the end, this 24-hour filibuster failed after about six hours. Yeah. Yeah. So what exactly were they filibustering? There are two kind of property tax um, uh, measures uh, to do with your ha- with your home when you're paying your income tax. And one is called the hypothèque rente aftrek, which is a mortgage interest deduction. deduction is right. it? Uh, and that means that if you're paying mortgage on a property, you can offset that against uh, your income tax bill. But then if you've paid off your mortgage, or if your mortgage is almost paid off, then you're actually at a disadvantage um, because the value of your home is also counted in your income tax bill. So there's then a deduction against that so that people who paid off their mortgages weren't disadvantaged against people 
people who were still paying mortgages. That's what they're now abolishing. They're abolishing this deduction that you used to get if you'd paid off your mortgage, which is why some MPs who are against it, who are mainly in the Fefe Day, have called it the um, the Aflosbuta, or the, the, a penalty on paying off your mortgage. Yeah, and you're 50 plus opposed this as well, because you yeah. know people who paid off their mortgage are usually 50 older. plus. Yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. So, so people who are older, if you pay your mortgage off, you're, you're going to pay a bit more in income tax. But it's being phased in over a long time, so it's not you're 30 gonna, years. Over yeah. 30 years, you're not going to suddenly get hit with it next year. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the PvdA and ESP were very opposed to the plan, even though they wrote the same thing in their party manifestos. It's like party manifestos don't mean anything. Yeah. Amsterdam claimed the first big slice in the great Brexit carve-up this week when the city won the contest to be the new home of the European Medicines Agency. The body which approves new medicines across the European Union is currently based in London, and so will have to move when the UK sinks beneath the waves, sorry, leaves the EU in 2019. <laughs> After three rounds of voting, Amsterdam was tied with Milan, so the winner was chosen by drawing lots from a glass bowl. The agency employs around 900 people, it has an annual budget of 300 million euros and receives 36,000 foreign visitors a year. Does the Amsterdam really need more tourists? Yes, indeed. Uh, as soon as the deal was struck, the first doubts uh, started flying around about whether the city could cope with an influx of residents and visitors. Part of the Dutch government's pitch was uh, promising the EMA a shiny new office building on the, on the Zaudas, but there's still concerns about the effect. They already of... bought the land before they even got the, uh... yeah. Yeah, the contract. Yeah. Indeed, so yes, yeah, so just as well they actually got the facility. I was there. They would have had to put a bank there or something, I suppose. <laughs> they but could yeah. have turned it into like a hipster coffee shop, probably. Or a cocaine dealer could. <laughs> yeah, that's also fine. But yeah, the, the, yeah, people are worried about house prices because everything at the moment in Amsterdam is uh, it seems to be uh, making house prices uh, go through the roof. And uh, the pressure on places in international schools as well. But the staff are happy because 80% of people at the EMA said if they had to move from London, they'd uh, they'd prefer Amsterdam. And why exactly did they draw lots for the winner? Because uh, they had this incredibly obscure voting process. There were 27 countries, each had a vote, or they each had three votes or something. Anyway, if you got a majority in the first round, then you won, but that was never going to happen because there were 19 contenders altogether. Three countries dropped out, so that brought us down to 16. They ended up having three rounds of voting, which brought it down to three contenders. And then Amsterdam and Milan couldn't be separated, and that was mainly because Slovakia refused to vote in the final round, and that was because they were upset that um, that Bratislava uh, weren't getting it. This uh, sounds <laughs> even complicated than the Eurovision song. It I was is. Say, yeah. More complicated and more incestuous. In between the voting, uh, the delegates all had half an hour to sort of ring their capitals and take advice on who they should vote for next time round. Yeah, and who, who they should bribe. And exactly. Yeah. Uh, long and short of it is that they came down to a tie, so then had to draw lots. And I think, luckily for the Dutch, uh, they didn't go to a penalty shootout because they'd lost. <laughs> but they drew lots out of a bowl. And uh, Amsterdam came out winner. So, Gordon, uh, Slovakia wasn't the only one who was upset with this uh, with this turnout, right? Uh, no, there's people worried in Amsterdam worried about um, what effect it's going to have on the city. So, um, uh, Miriam Kozilius of action group Fair City uh, told the parole that uh, foreign employees bring a different culture with them. They don't black up on the, in December. And right, we yeah. protest against words of feed, and that's <laughs> yeah, what they're mad about. Uh, and also, she said, these people don't cook for themselves, but prefer to eat out. Until recently, I could eat in a restaurant for a reasonable price, but these days I have to carry a fat wallet with me. So, you know, saying that migrants are coming over here and uh, destroying your city by paying too much in restaurants sounds like the definition of a first world problem. (laughs) Also, economically does not make any sense. Theoretically, if there's more people eating out in restaurants, it would drive the prices down. 
guys, how did I get nominated to do the uh, sword abuse? You volunteered. When you when our listeners send abuse to us, can you please address it to Paul and Gordon and not to me? Even the Dutch don't want to talk about Zwartepiet anymore. The Odd Day newspaper called for a Zwartepiet a truce on Thursday, or at least they called for people not to talk about it during the Sinterklaas season, showing that the Odd Day is taking its editorial stances from U.S. right-wing politicians, who are known for claiming that immediately following mass shootings is not the time to discuss gun control. This is following the official arrival of Sinterklaas, accompanied by his blackface helpers, in the Frisian town of Dokum on Saturday. Antiswortepeat demonstrators who planned to protest in the town were prevented from doing so when their buses were blocked by an actual blockade on the A7 by a pro-Zwartepeta group of nationalists. The blockade was cleared after 20 minutes, according to the police, and the protesters were told they were being allowed to continue, but they soon realized they weren't being driven to Dukum. The buses then pulled over again, and then they were told by police that the protests had been cancelled and they were being taken back to Amsterdam and Rotterdam, where they had originated from. It was reported that some of the counter-protesters may face charges, as it turns out that staging a blockade on a motorway violates the country's safety laws. Yeah, and Gutter weighed into the, the whole aftermath of this. Right, he did. Well. He yeah. told the RTL, Sinterklaas is a great tradition, a party for children, and I do not want children to be confronted by angry demonstrators, which, as you can imagine, caused some controversy, in particular because the anti-Zwartepita demonstrators had negotiated, apparently endlessly, with the mayor of the town and that they had been were being set up in a place where it would be unlikely for children mm. to sort of see them, but they would still be able to protest. They, they actually had a permit to protest. And they've yeah. gone to the mayor and they've gone through the uh, the correct procedure. Yeah. They've been given a time, uh, place to stand yeah. and a time to stand there. And the reason they couldn't get there is because of this kind of basically vigilante action right. where a load of people just stopped their cars in the motorway, yeah. which is illegal. Yeah. And, and yet those people uh, got their way. Uh, not the people who'd actually politely gone to the mayor and said, please, can we protest? Yeah. And Molly, uh, how exactly are you going to make it through Sinterklaas season without getting into a fight <coughs> with your in-laws i imagine they're coming over they yes we will be seeing them tonight uh, fortunately my lovely boyfriend whose birthday is today i will remind our listeners uh, are in complete agreement on the subject <laughs> and his lovely family chooses not to discuss it uh they had had uh, arguments with niels long before i came into the picture about the subject and so uh fortunately it has been tabled as a conversation that so you has. have a swarte pizza truce as we well. have a swarte pizza yeah, truce but it's a our, permanent truce it is a permanent truce yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a swarte piece it's oh god. oh god. In sports news, Feyenoord have become the worst Dutch Champions League team in history by losing their fifth straight match. Though it took until the 88th minute for Raheem Sterling to score the winning goal for Manchester City on Tuesday night. However, there was finally a victory for a Dutch men's team to savor in the grand old sport of curling. The team caused a sensational upset when they beat Sweden, who are ranked the best nation in the world, in their European Championship qualifying round to give them hope of reaching the semi-finals. They came down to earth with a bump in their next two matches as they lost to Germany and Russia, but then beat Italy, which meant it all came down to the final match against Scotland. However, the canny Scots prevailed 5-2 to put an end to the Dutch dream, but Oranje's efforts do mean that they've secured a place at next year's World Cup, so well done to them. Gordon. For our listeners, because I know what curling is. <laughs> what is curling? Curling is a, um, a, a sport which is effectively, it's bowls on an ice rink. Yeah. Uh, where you throw <laughs> giant granite stones down the ice and then you have a team of people who sweep uh, aggressively with their brooms to try and uh, steer the um, the curling stone towards a, uh, a big target. My brother-in-law has recently taken up curling and so he sent in the family WhatsApp group all of these photos of him. Excellent. And they have like a very intense team photo where they're all looking very serious as if this is an actual sport and not 
not an excuse for like grown men to play around on the ice and drink. <laughs> play around the what, ice. And... What does your brother do? Is he throwing the stone or do you? Or is he well, you take turns. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't you, know. Yeah, yeah, you take turns. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, everyone gets a turn at throwing the stone, yeah. and then the ones who aren't throwing the stone have to do the work with the broomsticks. And the they drink. There's lots of drinking. Yeah, in yeah obviously. Yeah. 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 It's a Scottish sport, so of course, the drinking. Involved. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But and it's also kind of a game. Um, it, it was on TV quite often late at night, and it was a, the best sport to come home to after you've been to the pub because it's quite slow. So even if you're absolutely you know, smashed, smashed, you can, you can still follow what's going on. Even if your eyes are pointing in three different directions, you can still, <laughs> still keep up with it. The Scots would invent a game that you can follow <laughs> yeah, while you're drunk. Totally yeah. drunk. And you can play while you're drunk. You can play yeah. it while you're drunk as well. That's yeah. encouraged, I think, actually. Yeah. We also invented golf, so I think this is kind of compensation for the fact that we inflicted golf on the world. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, we're, and we're still mad about that. <laughs> and uh, uh, what's uh, coming up uh, this weekend? The women's football team, who are more successful, are playing uh, Slovakia in their second World Cup qualifier. Uh, they beat Norway in the first and Max Verstappen is uh, going in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix where he'll try and repeat his success of uh, the last race. Well, uh, we wish them all very good luck. The United Nations Yugoslavia War Crimes Tribunal in The Hague has sentenced former Bosnian Serb leader Rajko Mladic to life in prison for genocide and crimes against humanity. Specifically, the court found that Mladic played a role in the Srebrenica massacre, during which 8,000 Muslim men and boys were killed. Mladic himself had to be removed from the courtroom after he demanded the hearing be stopped due to his high blood pressure. When the court refused, he began screaming and had to be taken to another room to watch the ruling on TV. So is this... The final chapter in this tragedy? Probably not. Uh, Srebrenica was, at the time of the massacre, under the protection of the Dutch military. In June, the Dutch government was found to be partially responsible for the deaths of 300 men and boys who were inside a Dutch compound when Mladic's forces showed up. Meanwhile, 180 Dutch soldiers sued the Dutch government for damages resulting from the massacre, claiming that they were sent on an impossible mission. So there are still some uh, some trials to come. But the Yugoslav tribunal is now basically wound up. Yeah, now. The so this, Yugoslav was, this is the, about the last over. case that yep. was left here, and it's been going for about fifteen years, I think. Yeah, it was a long time. Well, it took a while to find him. I think ten yes. or twelve years or yeah. something like that. So although this has been ongoing, it actually hasn't been the court. The trial yeah. itself hasn't been ongoing for yeah. fifteen years. Yeah, and then years. he's used uh, just about every delaying tactic in the book, uh, right. particularly his, his personal health. He seems to have recovered miraculously from being nearly dead a year yeah. or two ago. Exactly. And now he's just got high blood pressure. Breda has won the prize for the best city centre in the Netherlands. The city in Brabant knows how to, quote, welcome guests and make them feel at home, according to the uh, jury of the Beste Binnenstad 2017 awards, and describes the city as very gezellig. Uh, the jury also praises Breda for its many public transportation connections and that for every age there is something to do. The jury was also very pleased with Breda's digital initiatives, such as the special city app with which Breda distinguishes themselves from other cities. Arnhem in Gelderland ended second place. Almere in Flevoland won the title Best City Centers in the category Middle-Sized Cities. The jury described the city uh, to have an exciting shopping, leisure and living environment. I think it's pretty clear the jury has never been to Almere. I was yeah. going to say that yeah, as well. I was yeah. going to say yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Who else was in contention? Zutemir? Uh, <laughs> oh, I made this joke. Spike Nissa. Spike Nissa. Yeah, I asked Molly Galvin this morning tracked. to guess which uh, which middle-sized city won the prize and she said, this must be Zutemir, but it's even more ridiculous. Yeah. Have you guys been to Almere? I've been to Almere. I have been to Almere as well. And Breda? Yeah. Uh, not Breda. No? I've been to Breda a lot. I really like Breda. I think it's a really nice city. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, uh, I, I understand why it won. So we're happy with Breda. So we're happy with Breda, less so with Almeida. Less with so with It is our uh, expert panel's verdict. We'll be discussing Dutch books after this word from our sponsors. Here in Holland is a new podcast for internationals living in the Netherlands. 
It is a twice-weekly podcast which focuses on the stories of internationals and expats. The podcast covers topics from manners to chance encounters, and they interview the Dutch and non-Dutch alike to get their insights, advice and stories, ranging from the funny to the sad. Here in Holland is currently creating an entirely crowdsourced podcast and welcomes your submissions. You can send your stories via WhatsApp. Find more information on their website, www.hereinholland.com. The podcast is available in iTunes and other podcasting apps. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. We've decided to go off the rails this week and discuss our favorite Dutch books. Just in time for your holiday shopping, we're going to do a roundup of all of the famous Dutch novels that we've read, which we've liked, which we don't, which books manage to have the absolute least amount of action. De Aventa. De Aventa has the absolute least <laughs> amount of action in it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so bad. Have you read it? No, no, I haven't read it. Don't read yeah. it. No, I don't read many Dutch novels. Uh, I usually read nonfiction. Um, so, yeah, I don't read many Dutch novels, but I had to read some of them when I was in high school. Yeah. And I didn't like them at all. So, so. What, were well, your, uh, what were your picks? What, what did you have to read in high school? Uh, I, had to, I had to read The Assault by Mulis. Harry Mulis. Yeah, it's a thin book and it's a fun story, but, you know. Then the, the main character is walking down the street and he's describing his day and then all of a sudden he says, I have a boner. And then he just continues have, uh, uh, with his day. What? So uh, all these weird things happen in that. Th- that's the characteristic of Dutch literature. It is. Weird boners mm-hmm. at random places. At random places. And absolutely nothing happening. So I've read uh, a, a few. I've read The Evenings, which is like the famous, the sort of like best bo- best Dutch literature book. Turkish Fruit. I also read that. Turkish uh, Delight. Turkish Delight. Turkish Delight. Delight. Yeah, Turkish, Turkish Fruit. Fruit in Dutch. Tur- 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 yeah. Tur- yeah. Dutch. There's also a movie. Yeah. Did you see it? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that to Awful. myself. Yeah. I read uh, In My Father's Garden, which the title is in Dutch. What? Kniele open. Kniele open bed viola. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And like nothing happens in any of them. It's just like random dudes lost in their own head, stream <laughs> of consciousness. Except for in uh, the evenings, because the guy is mean to his mother and a cat. So <laughs> I'm like really not a fan <laughs> of this. I've seen uh, quite a lot happens in Turkish Delight, doesn't it? I mean, there's quite a lot of sex, one thing, but also the the well, not to uh, spoil too much. But the, uh, no, it's the, like a pro-domestic violence book. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's a book about a guy whose who's, who's girlfriend dies of a brain tumor. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, so, so things do happen. Things do happen, <laughs> except that, so yeah, boring. so the book is about this guy who has this girlfriend. What, what book are we talking about now? Turkish, Turkish, Turkish Delight. Turkish Delight. Yeah. The guy who has this girlfriend, she flirts with somebody else, or like, not, not really, but like has a sort of conversation with someone else. He ends up beating her, she leaves him, and then both of them are unhappy because they were happier together, and mm. then she dies of a, brain, of a brain tumor in the end. It's like a pro-domestic violence book. Uh, it's, it was written in the 70s. It, it also has time. like the worst nutritional choices because the reason, <laughs> the reason it's called Turkish Delight is because by the end of the book, she's afraid her teeth will fall out so she mm. will only eat Turkish Delight which is a terrible choice <laughs> because it's so sticky and gummy that yeah. that would pull out all of your your, yeah. your teeth but to be fair she's dying of a brain tumor so really what state her teeth are in is probably the least of her worries at that stage and yeah. the mother-in-law yeah. hates her because supposedly she killed the father by feeding him fat this is the this is the plot. This is the beginning of the book. Like, who came up with this garbage? Jan Volkers. Jan Volkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Jan Volkers is uh, getting a bit of a uh, coming in for a bit of a revision. I think at the moment because so a new biography of him yeah. was published. Did he write it himself? Yeah. Well, he's dead, so no. Yeah. But, yeah. It, it would have been more interesting if he wrote it himself. Yeah. What about you, Gordon? What show, what are your favorites? Uh, any, any, any hated less than any books I've hated less. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of there's always this thing if it, the, the books that you you are forced to read in school or always the books you hate. 
So, I mean, I, I, I read how Emilius read um, The Discovery of Heaven. I got that as a grad- graduation present. And uh, yeah, an awful uh, present. I, I actually really enjoyed it. How and many pages of, does this book have? It's about 800 pages long. So, um, it's, and it's, in uh, high school, you had to pick you know, <laughs> Dutch literature to yeah. read. And if you picked uh, The Undecking van de Hemel, The Discovery yeah. of the Heavens, yeah. it counted as three books. <laughs> <laughs> so, did everybody go for it for that reason? Well, of course not. <laughs> no. Yeah, but it, it's kind of a, yeah, it's a big, sort of expansive story. And it's uh, uh, a lot of it's set in Cuba as well because uh, Harry Emilius was a big fan of Castro which, uh, uh, but yeah Harry Emilius is kind of a committed secularist sort of writes a novel about um, how God basically decides to sort of send a boy to uh, to earth to sort of help the humans find out where he's actually hiding out I also uh, thought there were a lot of uh, Greek mythology yeah references. there's a lot of references to Greek mythology although it's written in quite a, it's not so sort of densely written it's written in quite a sort of uh, accessible sort of superficial style but there is a lot of, sort of references to classical mythology going on at the same time as well and to, and to the Bible as well oh yeah and the so Bible too obviously yeah of yeah. course yeah. For a committed secularist. And what else have we uh, have we read? What else have you uh, you read? You've read more than one Dutch book. Paul. Yeah, I did. I I read uh, Joe Speedboat. Yeah, yeah. I, Tommy I, Vieira. I hate, yeah. I hate him, and I hate this book. <laughs> but oh did did, you know, uh, did you read this all in Dutch or in English? No, these I've read everything in an English as an English translation. Okay, so, so you, perhaps you should read it in the. Original I'm not, subject- subject- no, I'm not resubjecting shouldn't. myself to any yeah. of these books. They're all so bad. Yeah, but in the translation, you might you can you know miss some I don't know some good the entire plot. Like none of the <laughs> yeah, but it's not all about a, the plot. A better right? description of, about... of random boners. Is that <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to all be about the language and all those kinds of things, which. I mean, I suppose could be possible. Maybe I'm missing out on something. But uh, also, so when I read the the evenings, which I got as a Christmas present like last year, and I started reading it, and then I started complaining endlessly about how bad it was. Everyone kept being like, "Yeah, it's totally terrible." And I was like, "Then why is this the best <laughs> yeah. book?" But it it, it was uh, uh, only recently it came out in English, right? Yeah, yeah so it's, it's been recently translated. Yeah, and uh, yeah. What were the uh, uh, what did the critics say in 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 the US or in the? I think the reviews are fairly fairly positive about yeah. it. I read a review yeah. in the Guardian. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, there was. There's a review in the Guardian yeah. that seemed to be yeah. pretty positive it was, it was quite, about it. Quite flattering about but it. But I also uh, I thought there was a review in the New York Times who wasn't that positive. Or do, I don't I remember this. Uh, mm. Okay, I didn't read yeah. that either. Yeah, I haven't read the evenings. I have to say, but yeah, there are there are quite a few new translations coming out, and it's partly because there's um there's quite a good crop of translators uh, of Dutch literature at the moment uh, knocking yeah. about. And a new translation came out of I think it was um uh, the evenings was that I think I've got an idea that was done by Sam Garrett. Yeah, who's done a lot of yeah, who's also um, translated some of Kit Mack's books. Yeah. Kit Mack is a writer I definitely recommend if anyone's yeah. looking for. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. He's a historical. This isn't fiction now. He, oh, he okay. So we can't discuss it on this version of the podcast. No, indeed. But, yeah. but yeah, Kit Mack is... Well, he has, he has written He has written some... No, he writes mainly kind of, hist- uh, sort of modern history. Yeah. But it's very good. And uh, there's a new translation came out uh, a few years ago of um, Elina Fira, classic uh, 19th century... Was it 19th century Elina Fira from uh, Kubrick's? Don't look at me. I that's, uh, yeah, that was done by uh, yeah by Ina Rilke, who's a very good translator, and that's again it's sort of yeah if you if you like kind of the Brontes, Wuthering Heights, and you're looking for a Dutch novel, um, Elena Fira is probably yeah as, as good a choice as any. Uh, what was this book you were talking about? The Eight Club. Yeah, the dinner. The, oh, her the, dinner. The, yeah, her the dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinner. Which I thought sounded interesting because when we were doing the research for this uh, this segment, I was looking trying to remember which books I had read. 
And we, Dutch News, put together a list of like the nine most famous yeah. Dutch novels that have been translated into English, which we'll link to in the liner notes. And I, I thought that the that one sounded interesting, in part because it apparently was like a bit of a passive aggressive dig at some restaurant in Amsterdam, which is like, <laughs> yeah, it was like a very thinly veiled like uh, reference um, to an, a restaurant in Amsterdam, which I thought was funny. Is this the book that's only set in you know at that dinner table yeah. and yeah. nothing else? Yeah. It's at the dinner table, and each chapter is a, uh, is a course. Oh, really? In, in, in dinner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. how but many courses are there? Yeah, maybe. It's it's not just about food. Other stuff oh. happens as well. Yeah, yeah I think kind of like yeah, yeah. I think Molly kind of like it because actually things happen in it, and there's a there's a bit of violence as well. Even okay. though it's set around one table and that's it. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if you didn't like Turkish delight because it's uh, you think it's pro domestic violence, then you'll probably get on quite well with the dinner. I I kind of uh, I wasn't that fond of it. I have to say because yeah, Herman Koch he, he also wrote the um, the short book for the, the the free book that's handed out during Book Week yeah. for last year, and it, it's kind of a similar setup. He, he's quite good at kind of setting up situations, but then I'm not not really convinced by the way he was. He resolves them but there's uh, yeah the, the, the kind of um, in the dinner it is it is about a kind of uh, domestic violence situation and how that's uh, yeah uh, resolved by the main character who is a bit of a head case nice yeah there yeah. is a, a book week every year in the yeah. Netherlands I think it's in March or something yeah, yeah. and uh, when you buy a book during that week you, they hand out a free yeah. uh, free short novella really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we ha- I have that from, from buying something last year during book week so I have this one from the from the, Herman yeah. Koch yeah but they're usually really bad <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't yeah. read it. Of course, it's in Dutch, so it's a little. Yeah, so uh, we started this section with the idea that we would uh, make you know, some recommendations, make some recommendations, recommendations. But our conclusion is that there aren't any good Which Dutch book books. I think everybody has to pick a favorite one. What are you so, going to Paul, you have to pick a favorite Dutch uh, novel. Yeah, I'm going to go for the assault. It's Even n- though you thought it was an assault on your senses. Well, no, not it, it's it's you no, know, it has some weird sections, but it, it, overall, it isn't that. That bad, okay. I have to say, and uh, it's not that not not that uh, thick book. So you know, it's you, you it doesn't can, take you too long. To no, read it doesn't it. Uh, take you too long to read it. Okay. Yeah. All right. What are you picking, Gordon? Well, I'd, uh, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick two novels. One's um, uh, you know, cheat and pick two novels. What, uh, what, uh, one is uh, William Frederick Hammond's *The Dark Darkroom of Damocles*. You know this? It's, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It was, it was also a novel set in the war, but uh, it's about kind of yeah a, a guy who's uh, uh, who's in the resistance. Um, but it's it, it, and it's kind of there's all kinds of it's quite it's quite a um, complicated story. There's all kinds of sort of uh, mistaken identities and. Um, yeah, um, is there an English translation? Deception. There is an English translation. Okay, yeah, because I've uh, actually read the uh, English translation. Of this so that so that, so that that's that also is good. And it, it, but it just works really good. The plot is just really tight, and it's like a thriller based. So that's a good one. And I'd also pick a book by Otto de Kat, who's uh, uh, and it's uh, this is also set. Well, it's it's in the war in the aftermath of the war. It's called The Longest Night. It, okay. it is also available in English. I read the Dutch, but um, and it's part of a trilogy of books set so in the Hague. In yeah. and during and after the war, and Interesting. really, yeah, uh, really more of a kind of family saga, yeah, if you like. And yeah, so I'd recommend that. A lot uh, of Dutch literature, go, yeah, is, is set in the in Second the war. World War, yeah. yeah, a lot of English literature as well. Uh, and your favorite book, uh, Molly? I'm gonna recommend the, the, uh, the Collected Works by Hieronymus Bosch as my favorite <laughs> book <laughs> because I think the Dutch are better at painting than they are at writing. So <laughs> rather than read a book, I suggest you go to a museum and look at some of their beautiful art. <laughs> That's my, that's my book recommendation. Well, thank you, Molly. <laughs> Thanks for that contribution, You're Molly. Yeah. Yeah. Failing that, the evenings. 
No, don't read the evenings. <laughs> don't waste your time. I mean, I, I guess if you're like trapped in like an ISIS internment <laughs> prison camp and that's the only thing that you have to read, I would still practice yoga instead of <laughs> reading that book. <laughs> that's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to us and give us a rating. My thanks to Gordon Derrick and Paul Paters. I'm Molly Quell, and we'll be back next week. Music